How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Parkinson's disease was first described in 1817. And now, more than 200 years later, we know it's a progressive brain disorder that degrades motor function. But we still don't fully understand what causes it. Almost all theories center around a decrease in dopamine, a chemical used by some brain cells or neurons to communicate information to other cells. Dr. Raja Watermani, the Sir John Eccles Professor of Neurology at Northwestern University, says that the first big clues to Parkinson's emerged once scientists were able to see dopamine neurons inside the brain. That ability to see them allowed us to study them. And it was later found out that this, this region degenerates in Parkinson's disease. And then over time, people developed other methods to look at these neurons. And you could do that with histochemical staining or with antibody staining. And you can now visualize these neurons. And so this visualization of neurons was a key step at all these stages of our understanding of these neurons and their role in Parkinson's disease. With the ability to finally show that dopamine neurons died off in Parkinson's disease, researchers were able to solidify the link between the two. But that prompted the question, what exactly do these dopamine neurons really do? Awatramani's colleague, Dr. Daniel Dombeck, is a professor of neurobiology at Northwestern University. He says that it was only more recently that scientists could try to answer this question. When the technology became available in the 1970s and 80s to actually stick electrodes into the brains of animals and record from these dopamine neurons, people were initially looking for these motor signals, right? These signals that must be there because when the dopamine neurons die, people can't move. It seemed like common sense. If Parkinson's patients have trouble moving once these dopamine neurons die, they must be in charge of movement. But if you're familiar with trends like taking a dopamine detox or chasing a dopamine hit, you can likely guess that those early predictions didn't capture the full story. Really surprisingly, what people found was that these neurons mostly were active when the animals received rewards, unexpected rewards. Right. And this kind of goes and has fed into the popular press idea of, you know, getting a dopamine hit when you're video game or like, you know, eat a piece of chocolate cake or something. That's where it comes from. It's from these recordings showing that dopamine neurons respond to rewards. This really kind of led to what was known as the dopamine paradox, which is when you record from the dopamine neurons, they respond to reward. But when they die, you can't move. So why is that? This idea that dopamine neurons are activated by rewards is largely seen as common knowledge by scientists in the field. But Dr. Zachary Gartner, a neuroscientist at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, says that this explanation doesn't add up when researching conditions like Parkinson's or schizophrenia, where dopamine is disrupted. In fact, the standard treatment for Parkinson's disease is levodopa, or L-dopa, which increases dopamine production in the brain. And the idea is, okay, dopamine neurons are dying, so let's just like pump up how much dopamine you're signaling with, 
and suddenly people are able to walk again or they aren't having as many tremors. So how is it that dopamine can be vital for so many different functions when these neurons all seem to respond to rewards? Research published by Awatramani's lab in 2014 laid the groundwork for an explanation by showing that there are many kinds or subtypes of dopamine neurons. This led them to team up with the Dombeck lab to ask if there were any subtypes that didn't fit into the classic model. There are some neurons that respond to reward. There are some neurons that respond when animals are moving, that drive movements. And what we found are these later this latter class of neurons, the ones that respond when animals are moving. So there were hints of them early on, and we've uncovered a whole class of these dopamine neurons that only care about movement and don't seem to care about reward at all. Which completely changes the field's perspective of dopamine. This discovery was recently published in the journal Nature Neuroscience. Gartner is a first co-author of the research, working alongside Dr. Maite Ascora in the Dombeck and Awatramani labs. The team used genetically modified mice to see how these different subtypes operate. And what we showed was that one subtype is only active when a mouse is accelerating. And one subtype is only active when a mouse is decelerating. And another one is active during rewards. And another one is active during like aversive responses. So if you puff like a big air puff in this mouse's face to freak it out, those dopamine neurons get activated. And so what we were able to kind of do was dissect out all of these different functions of dopamine that people weren't really sure how is it doing all these different functions. We showed that it's really, you have all these separate dopamine neurons that each are carrying out separate functions. But if all of these dopamine neurons are releasing the same chemical, how are they involved in so many different functions? Gardner says it's most likely due to differences in location and timing different cells are releasing dopamine at different times and in different places in the brain. And it's like very, very specific when they're going to release dopamine and where they're going to release dopamine. And that's what like sets them apart. So releasing dopamine during acceleration in one spot in the brain versus releasing dopamine during deceleration in a different spot of the brain seems to be what's probably driving the different functions of these different cells. This finding helps solidify the theory that some dopamine neurons don't care about rewards, which has been hard for the scientific community to accept. Dombeck says that this has been controversial since his lab first published evidence of purely motor dopamine neurons in the journal Nature in 2016. Since that paper, there's a lot of debate in the field about what we saw, what it means, you know, are there really different types of dopamine neurons or maybe all dopamine neurons, almost all dopamine neurons must have reward signaling and you must have found like the small number that didn't. And so it's just been this big debate for years. A debate that might be put to rest with this most recent publication. We studied three specific subtypes, genetic subtypes, and found that they all actually have different functions. So there was one subtype that really confirmed this initial discovery of motor signaling without reward signaling. And it was a pretty large subclass within the substantia nigra. And that's, you know, I think now what's really nailed this point. It's not just some small little subset. Now we can molecularly define and genetically define that subtype. And with that genetic handle, I think it's going to be much easier to convince the field that, you know, this is really a thing, right? This is really a, a subtype of dopamine neuron that does what we didn't think they do. 
Since this research was done in mice, it'll take some time before scientists can confirm that these subtypes are also present in humans. However, Dombeck says the evidence so far looks extremely promising. Gartner argues that this link could be the breakthrough needed to understand exactly what's going wrong in the brains of people with Parkinson's disease. If in Parkinson's the problem is, all right, I can't initiate movements, well, then probably the subtype of dopamine neurons that is dying off in Parkinson's are those ones that initiate movements, those ones that are like responsible for accelerations that we described in our paper. And all the data we have so far really does support that that in Parkinson's disease, you're not just losing dopamine neurons across the board at random, you're specifically losing the ones that are responsible for these like pro-motor responses. And so as you lose those like disproportionately, that's why you get symptoms of Parkinson's. Gartner says this might also help explain the problems with current treatments. For instance, L-DOPA works well at alleviating symptoms early on, but Gartner says it comes at a cost. If L-DOPA is just going to like boost signaling from all of these different subtypes, you're also going to be boosting signal in your dopamine neurons that stop movements or your dopamine neurons that are corresponding to deceleration or the ones that are responsible for reward or the ones that are responsible for aversive responses. So we think this is probably a big reason there's so many side effects with L-DOPA. Dombeck says that failing to target only the specific dopamine subtypes that are dying might be why L-DOPA eventually stops working in so many patients. As the disease progresses and pro-movement cells die off, more and more of this dopamine boost from the drug might actually be helping increase anti-movement neurons. At the point when levodopa stops working, it could be that that's you know, when that flip really starts to happen. And instead, what's also being driven into hyperactivity is this anti-movement subtype where you're having the you know, exact opposite effect that you want. And so it really asks the question of treatments and medicine of how can we be more specific in treating just the signals that are missing and not affecting the signals that are still there which could be achieved through cell replacement therapies. Gartner says that there's been a lot of excitement in the field surrounding this method because you can use stem cells to replace the specific types of neurons that have died off. And so if we can engineer stem cells that can differentiate specifically into that subtype of dopamine neurons and then pop those into someone's head, you could replace the cells that you have lost without getting all of these side effects from giving the wrong cell type. Gartner says this method has been tried in the past, but without this knowledge of dopamine neuron subtypes, the stem cells weren't always effective. For some people, they were outright cured. Others got a lot worse, and it was never well understood why there was so many different reactions to it, some people getting so much better and some people getting so much worse. But we kind of hypothesized that it depends what did you actually inject into them? Because back then they were just like, okay, we're giving them dopamine neurons. Well, what if you gave them a bunch of dopamine neurons that are anti-locomotor and now you're making their symptoms 10 times worse because you're giving them exactly what they don't need versus some people might've gotten exactly what they were missing. Awatramani is also hopeful that this work will give them a better understanding of neurodegeneration and how to combat the process. 
this work may lead to a better understanding of why certain dopamine neurons degenerate and others don't. And by mining their transcriptomes, you can see what pathways make them distinct from other dopamine neurons that survive in Parkinson's disease. You can find more information about Dr. Daniel Dombeck, Dr. Raj Awatramani, Dr. Zachary Gartner, and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. As people are waiting longer and longer, they accept smaller gaps. Well, now I'm getting impatient and now I'm going to take it and I'm going to take more risks, right? Are right turns better for your health? Then facial deformities in kids who wear braces and the bullying they endure. Whether it's brace face, whether it's train track face, like whatever children can come up with, they are going to dish at you. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. The conversation you have with your partner to say, your check will go to that and then I'll pay all the bills and then this check will go to that. And it's just like, you know, I work two jobs to afford everything and I still feel like I'm failing. The breaking point of high childcare costs in America. Then... It's actually the second largest money-making holiday after Christmas that we have. The wide appeal of Halloween. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah.